You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host, Ty Brown of TyTheDogGuy.com, and this is the show where we help you start or grow your pet-related business to a healthy six-figure per year or more income. Now, today, I'm excited to bring to you the story of how I was able to, in one year, add 57% to my revenue, hundreds of thousands of dollars to my business, and do it in a way using a low-tech, easy-to-employ, cheap method that just about anyone can do. Sound like a fair fair promise to give you? Cool. All right, we'll stay right with us. I'm going to tell you exactly how I did it. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's designerpetsweaters.com, hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Okay, we're back, and I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how I was able to, like I said in the intro, grow my business by 57% in one year, add hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of revenue using a low-tech, cheap, easy-to-employ method. This is something I did about three years ago. So, yeah, about three years ago or so. So up until that point, I'd been operating what I would consider a successful dog training business. You know, we didn't have a location, and so it was just two trainers, and we were uh, we had an administrative assistant, and we had another trainer that would kind of help from time to time a little bit. So we were a three-person, sometimes four-person company. So so not huge, but by dog training standards, you know, we were a good size. We had uh, we did hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in revenue, and business was good. You know, it provided a good living for us, but we were all also a little bit stagnant. And so we decided that we needed a location, a physical location where we could take in more dogs for board and train, that we could do more training in the winter with an indoor location, that we could offer some daycare and some boarding and stuff like that. And so we went and found a location. Now, I sometimes hesitate to tell this story because like I said, up until that point, I had uh, been doing well with business. And even up until that point, I had been um, teaching others how to do well with business too. And so I made this very crucial, crucial mistake that, like I say, I kind of laugh about now. But at the time, I look back and I was like, dude, how could you be so stupid? I make a lot of dumb mistakes. I've made tons over my uh, career. And I imagine I'll continue to make tons. But here was the mistake. So I remember it was uh, it was January that we signed the lease. 
and we didn't have a whole lot of like cash. And so we had to get in the building quick. So we made some improvements and February 1st, we opened. Now, again, we were bootstrapping everything because it's not like we had this huge loan or, or any big reserves to fall back on. We had just, you know, we were a successful company, but you know, no huge amounts of money sitting there for us to hire a ton of new staff. And so here we are, February 1st, we open up the location. We still have the same amount of people. I upped the hours of that fourth trainer, so we turned her into full-time. But I'm sitting there in the building, February 1st. You know, we had sent out an email, hey, we're offering daycare now. We got a couple dogs in for daycare. And looking around, and I'm saying, oh, shoot. All right, this building is a few thousand dollars a month. All right, we got new utilities. All right, well, we're giving her a bunch more hours. All right, soon we're going to have to hire more people. Shoot. <laughs> And I laughed because I had no marketing plan for how to grow it. The business, you know, we had been growing as a business, doing the marketing that we had been doing. And the marketing that we had been doing had primarily been search engine optimization. You know, we had a website that did a good job at taking people that were interested in dog training, turning them into leads. And then I did a good job at turning them into sales. And so here I am February 1st realizing, shoot, nothing just changed as far as our marketing but our bills have gone up and we'll be going up more here shortly. We're in trouble. I literally had spent months trying to find the location, trying to work deals with the landlord, you know, trying to figure out zoning with the city. Like getting into the building was a headache and a nightmare of unbelievable, uh, you know, proportions. And nowhere in there did I figure out a marketing plan that said, okay, once we're in there, here's how we get more clients. Stupid, I know. And so recognizing that we needed to change something, probably February 2nd or something like that, I'm like, what do we do? Well, let's start advertising. So I did what a lot of folks do, and I started advertising. And uh, what was the first thing I did? The first thing I did was one of those co-op mailers. I think you know the type. It wasn't Valpac, but it was something similar to that. You know, something where you pay 500 bucks or something like that, and then your ad, along with a bunch of other ads, goes out to 10,000 homes in your in the neighborhood. And I was like, that's, you know, that's a good idea. You know, let people know that we're here. Let me, let me do that. So I did that and I got nothing, zero, nada. Now that doesn't make that a bad thing. You know, I, looking back, maybe I had the wrong offer. Maybe I needed to do it for a few months and gain some traction, but I didn't have a ton of money to be experimenting around with. And so, so in any case, yeah, I, that was a bust. So the next thing I tried was a postcard. There's this company that says, hey, we do some great things with postcards and we do a couple mailings and it brings in clients. And I said, that sounds like a good idea. You know, send some postcards, you know, instead of my ad being amongst dozens of ads, let's go ahead and make it the only one. We'll do a postcard. So we did that and I got a couple, <laughs> you know, a couple calls. I don't think it turned into any sales. So that was kind of a bust. All right. So, all right, I'm getting desperate now. What are we going to do? So I found this company that what they do What's the name? I can't even remember the name of the company now, but they say, okay, for X amount of dollars, we'll provide you X amount of leads in your business. And so, and they, they work with all different types of service type businesses. And so I don't remember, I think I signed up for $1,500 a month and it was supposed to be something like 70 leads. And guess what? They overperformed. They actually did better than that. I think I was getting 75, 80 leads for the few months that I did it. And I only did it for a few months. And there's a reason for that. The way that my business works is we sell at a premium. We sell a high dollar dog training service, more expensive than the majority of other dog training companies in our state, maybe even all of the ones in our state. I'm not sure. But anyways, we sell a premium service. 
And so in order for people to buy a premium service, the higher, here's a rule of thumb in sales, the higher the ticket amount, the more time you need to be in front of that person. And so the way that I had been selling up to then is we had a lot of videos, a lot of content, people were finding our website and they would consume a lot of our content. So by the time that I spoke with them on the phone, I could close a lot of people and business did well. But what it meant was rarely would somebody call me out of the blue, you know, just see the phone number, call me and I would close a deal. And this might be a, this not might be, this is a flaw in my system. I'm not that good of a salesman when somebody's cold. I'm a very good salesman when somebody's warm. I know that might sound silly because maybe everyone is, but I'm not a good salesman when someone's just like, I want dog training, you're a dog trainer. Cool. Tell me about your stuff. Now I can do the job. You know, I've been doing this for, you know, for over a decade now and we've grown a big company so I can sell that way. I'm just not that great at it. And so in not being that great at it, that was the problem I ran into with these guys. So these guys were sending 70, 80 leads a month, which is great. You know, that's two something leads per day, 70, 80 leads a month. might have even been more. I don't remember. I just remember they overperformed. But everyone, the way that they had set it up is they set up a very generic dog training website and a very generic Facebook page, and they drove traffic to it, and they just had lead generation mechanisms on there. And so basically, it was just collecting name, phone number, email, and, uh, and that was about it. And so here's these people that say, yeah, I want dog training. And amongst them, you know, if there's enough leads, there's going to be some good sales in there. But my close rate was abysmal because, you know, here I was spending so much time on the phone with all these people trying to pre-qualify them, trying to sell them on, on how good we are, how different we are. When in reality, like 80% of them just filled out their information looking for dog training, thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to a $150 group class or something like that. Nowhere near expecting a $1,500 private course or $2,500 boot camp course or something like that. None of them were expecting. I shouldn't say none. So we did make some sales from that, but the reality was with the way that we sell, it just wasn't going to, it didn't work very well. Now, had I had the funds to maybe hire a salesperson who could really give all the leads all the time in the world, maybe that would have been a different story. But as it stood, the way that we sold, you know, we just couldn't handle that many leads that were unqualified. Now, you, you know, were you to have given me 70 to 80 leads where the majority were qualified and knew that they were looking for higher dollar training and knew that they were value buyers and things like that? you know, I probably would have stayed with that company forever. They were great at getting leads. But like I say, their leads were not compatible with how we sold. Somewhat of a flaw in our system, if you want to look at it like that. So what did I discover come probably March or whatever it was? I discovered something, a technique that was low tech, low cost, easy to employ, that from that point, you know, March or April or whatever, grew the business by 57% that year and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Would that be of interest to you? My guess is that you would say, yes, I'd like to know how to do that. So here's the technique, and I can tell it to you in one word. That technique was storytelling. Let me repeat, storytelling. So through telling stories, I was able to grow the business by 57% and hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue in one year and nothing else because I didn't do any other advertising or any other anything that whole year. And from about, like I say, I want to say probably April or so when I started doing this, I grew the business that much. And I want to tell you something that makes me sound even stupider because I'm just now realizing that that's what it was because I'm actually writing a book on storytelling. Um, I'm writing a book on this process and I realize 
I grew the business that, or we grew the business, you know, uh, my team deserves a huge amount of support, you know, recognition there. We grew the business that much based on one thing that was easy, that took almost no time, that I didn't even realize it at the time. I'm only now realizing it, as silly as that sounds. But it's true. And so it was storytelling that helped us grow that way. In fact, looking back through from that time, so over the past three years, through this method, we've been able to sell millions of dollars worth of dog training and dog training products. And a lot of it is actually based on this one story. And so I call it my multi-million dollar story. Would you be interested in hearing that story? You know, hearing a story that could actually convert thousands of customers and, and millions of dollars worth of dog training? I'm going to tell you that story, but not right now. I'm going to tell you at the end. That way you stay all the way until the end of the uh, end of the podcast here because it's uh, a really stupid story. <laughs> and if I tell you now, you're going to be like, dang it. I can't believe you made me listen to that. But in all seriousness, it's a powerful story. And you've probably got several stories like this that you could harness the exact same thing. And later, hopefully you can look back and be like, dang it, that story from my life. I can't believe it sold me millions of dollars worth of my training too. And so, uh, so like I say, you're going to have to stay to the end of the uh, the podcast to hear that and to to listen to what that story was. So, the latter half of this podcast, I want to take some time and explain to you how storytelling can actually do that and what that means for your business. So, I'm going to go to break right now, but stay with us. We're going to be right back and tell you how to grow your business a ton with stories. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. The standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. Cortisone. Antihistamine. Multiple creams. Antibiotics. Spray. Multiple prescriptions. Steroid injections. Spray. Sharp antibiotics. Steroid cream. No results. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to take care of him and to give him the nutrition he needed. A nutritional supplement like Dinovite. To be the healthy, happy dog he is today. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Put some nutrition in your dog. The vet that I trust recommended Dinovite. The dog I have today because of Dinovite is a sparkle in his eye, a lush coat, healthy skin. When you rescue a dog... You've got to feed them right for life. Dynavite will make your dog a happy dog. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? <laughs> Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. <laughs> Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and uh, like I was talking about before, I'm only now realizing because I'm starting to consult with other businesses based on storytelling. I'm actually starting to write for a website about storytelling. I'm writing a book about storytelling, and it's only over the past couple months here that I've realized what the power of storytelling. Now, it was something that I've been doing for the past few years, but it's only over the past few months that I'm like knocking myself upside the head realizing, oh my gosh, Brown, you're an idiot. 
Why didn't you realize this earlier? You could have been doing a better job with this and you could have you know, made more sales and things like that. So I want to tell you the nuts and bolts, the ins and outs of how you can use stories to grow your business. And like I promised in the very beginning, this is low tech, this is easy, anybody can do this and it's cheap. And so if you can hear this and not do it because you're saying, oh, it's too hard or it's too expensive or too this or whatever, then I got no words for you um, because this, this is about as easy as it gets as far as growing a business. So here's a strategy. First things first is you have to have an email list. Now, every person that I consult with, we start them, you know, we start getting them an email list. You know, so we sign them up with MailChimp or we sign them up with AWeber.com or we sign them up with Constant Contact or something like that. So having an email list is critical. You have to do this. Now, here's where I'm able to cheat a little bit. And this is why I was able to grow by 57% and hundreds of thousands of dollars in one year. It's because I already had a nice big list. I don't remember how big. If I had to guess, right now my list is 29,000. My guess is, let's say it was 18,000 or something like that back then. Now, of that, in Utah, probably about 3,000 or 4,000 if I remember right. So anyways, I had a fairly good sized list of Utah dog owners, three to 4,000. Now, was it's not a perfect list because that list had been built over a few years. And, you know, some of them certainly didn't have their dogs anymore or would have moved or something like that. Some of them probably fake emails. So you take a list of three or 4,000 and actual prospects, I don't know, maybe it's a thousand. But anyways, so I had a head start and so I was cheating a little bit in my growth, but because of that asset, I was able to start growing. So first things first is you need to have a list. So if you don't, go right now while you're listening to this, go on to MailChimp because it's free to start, MailChimp.com. It's free to start and you can start building your list, your email list. Now, how do you build it? Well, you start adding lead generation mechanisms on your website. So everyone's got a contact form. Well, have the contact form go through MailChimp such that when somebody emails you and you know fills out the form and says, hey, I want some more information, have that go into your MailChimp account so that when you want to send out an email to everyone, that person's on your account. Have a, uh, you know, have a, a call to action on your website that says something like, enter your information here to schedule a free consult with, uh, you know, with the trainer or enter your information here to get immediate access to pricing and programs or, or whatever you know, start building lead generation mechanisms. So I've got numerous across my website. On the footer, I've got sign up for the newsletter. And we get several signups every day on the newsletter. Granted, I get, you know, thousands of people to my website every month. But but even in the footer, I get people signing up for the newsletter. And then on my program pages, hey, enter your information to get access to pricing. And then I'll run special offers on things. Hey, enter your information and get this free report. Or, you know, get my book sent out to you. Enter your information. So anyways, I'm constantly growing my list through lead generation mechanisms on my various websites and on my you know special offers and things like that. So you have to have a list. Now, if you have no list, you know, you might have to go through and kind of curate a list and start building it because certainly you've had some clients and some prospects. Well, I don't know exactly every every autoresponder company is different, but you can enter those in and hopefully some of those people will agree to be on your list. So even if you have no list, take every email, every client, and every prospect you've ever had, go ahead and enter it in once you have your MailChimp thing, and now you've got the beginnings of a list. Now, once you have your list, here's what I do. At first, I was sending weekly emails. Right now, I'm sending bi-weekly. So two times a week, I'm sending emails to everyone on my list. So right now, I've got 29,000 people on my list, so I'm sending 60,000. So right now, I'm sending about a quarter million emails every month. Um, that's a lot. 
Uh, well, for me, it's a lot. And that's in addition to other like small, you know, other autoresponders and things like that. So, so yeah, anyways, it, it works out to about a quarter of a million emails per month. And so you get your list. Now you got to start emailing them. Now, there is no magic number of how often to email your list except to say that you should be emailing them often. And every time I mention this, you know, on dog trainer forums or things like that, everyone tells me, oh, I hate getting emailed and uh, this is awful. I would never do that. And, you know, that's not everyone, but some people think that. And when they do, I like want to virtually reach out and pat them on the back and say, thank you, thank you, keep doing that. Because for every person that thinks that and doesn't do it, hey, that's more money in my pocket and in my clients' pockets who, you know, start to implement this stuff. But uh, the reality is some people will hate you if you email them once a week. Every week I email 29,000 people. I email them two times. And inevitably, I will get one or two emails of people saying, you are a prick. Stop emailing me. I hate you so much. These things you're emailing me are the worst ever. I hope your hair catches on fire and that you fall down dead. You know, I'll get emails like that. And then, you know, sales come through. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, cool. I don't care. So there's always going to be people and, and all marketing should, you know, have some polarizing effect. All marketing should, you know, get rid of people that you don't like and then add people that you do like. So people will absolutely get pissed off if you email them once a week or twice a week or every day. Some lists that I'm on, I people email me every day. And sometimes I have some lists where I email them every day and people get ticked off, but that's a tiny minority and I keep making sales. And so, so anyways, get your list, start emailing them with regularity. I do Tuesday mornings and I do Friday mornings. And so people start to recognize when my emails are coming out, they start to look forward to them. Some of them look forward to them because they hate them and they want to tell me how much they hate them. But whatever it is, you know, start emailing the list. Now, here's the question. What do we email them? And what does this have to do with stories? That's what I do is I email stories. I email my list stories. Let me repeat, I email them stories, not fairy tale stories. I email them stories from my life. Now, this is not just my method. I've learned this from somebody else. So you might be thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, it may be the dumbest thing you've ever heard, and I'm not the only one teaching it. There's lots of people way smarter than me that also teach this method that I've learned from. But I email them stories. In fact, like I say, here in a second, you know, or here in a minute or in a few minutes when I finish up this podcast, I'm going to tell you that one story that sold me millions of dollars worth of training. And you're going to be like, son of a gun, this guy. I can't believe he hustled me into listening to this. So anyways, I email these stories and they're just stories from my life. And so it might be a story from my childhood. And I'm, you know, and I started out, hey, guys, uh, make sure you read to the bottom of the email because I got a cool offer for you. But first, let me tell you this story about this one time when I was, you know, I was driving to Mexico. Or, hey guys, make sure you read down to the bottom of to the email because uh, I've got a really cool offer. I'm giving away a free book. But hey, is you know, um, let me tell you this story about this one time when you know I was at a soccer game when I was 12 years old. And I will literally tell that story and then I'll relate it to dog training. And here's here's the thing: any story in your life, and I'm talking any story, any story that's poignant sad, happy, funny. Any story in your life can be related to dog training. I don't care what it is. I don't know what your stories are, but I can promise you, promise you that any story that you've got in your arsenal that happened to you can be related to dog training. Now, maybe you're a dog walker, a pet sitter, a dog groomer, but it, whatever it is, any story that's ever happened to you, you can relate it back if you're creative enough. And you don't even have to be that creative. Uh, you don't have to be that smart to do this. I'm, you know, borderline idiotic. Well, not even borderline. But anyways, I can still do this. You can do this. And so I email these stories and I make an offer. And that's it. I'm looking at my timer right now. It's taking me 23 minutes to get there to tell you, write a story and send it to a list. 
but it needed some of that preamble. But that's literally it. And so the question comes in, why does this work? And why does it work so well? Because like I say, I can now track millions of dollars over the past three years to this technique. I can track hundreds of thousands that first year scientifically because I changed nothing except that. And when suddenly we start getting more business. And so why does it work? Now, I'm convinced there's a, there's a couple few reasons why it works. Number one, it makes you relatable. And so when people want to buy, especially when we're talking about dogs, folks, people want to buy from someone that they know and that they can trust and that they like, you know, this is so important. And so when you're telling stories that show your vulnerability, show your sense of humor, show who you are, you become relatable very, very quickly. You know, people read a couple few stories and they already feel like they know you. And every day when I talk with potential clients, they're like, oh, dude, that story you said about that, that was so funny. Yeah, I totally got that. And it's now the major reason why people buy. And it's one of the major reasons why selling is so easy. So much of our sales now happen like through an order taker. They call our office and they sign up and like, you know, almost every day my office manager's like, oh, sold another boot camp today. I'm like, they didn't need to talk to me? No, you know, they signed up and because they already know me. They already know me through the stories, and it's it's amazing that stories can do that. So uh, being relatable is one reason that stories are so important. The second reason stories are so important, well, not necessarily stories, but because I do it every week and now twice a week, I'm in front of those people a lot. And one of the general rules of thumb in selling is you will sell more if you offer more. And so if you're in front of your prospect more, you will probably win versus the company that's in front of your prospect less. And you will win against the other alternative because right now your customers have competition in mind. It's either your competitors or do nothing. And that's always a big, big draw for a lot of people. Well, if I do nothing, I save all this money and I don't have all this work of training my dog or bringing my dog to the groomer or whatever. And so even if you think that you're way better than your competitors or you live somewhere where there's no competitors, you always have competition in that they can do nothing. But when you're in front of them more and more and more, it reminds them to do something about it. And so relatability is huge, but being in front of your potential clients more is huge too. The more offers you make, remember that, the more offers you make, the bigger the chance that somebody's going to accept it. You ever meet one of these guys? I knew a few of these guys when I was younger that they would like literally ask out every girl. And you know what? Like I knew, I can think of a couple of these guys that, you know, were not attractive not that I'm one to talk, but we're not attractive dudes that, you know, didn't have like the best personality, but they just played a numbers game and they would ask out every girl and they would see pretty girls and ask them out. And, and people would tell them, I know, you know, somebody like this. People would tell them, dude, that girl's out of your league. And maybe it was, but they would keep asking and they would keep asking, you know, politely. I'm not talking about dudes that are like stalking women. I'm talking about dudes that just see pretty girls or girls or anybody and like, Hey, I, you know, I'm a cool guy. Let's, let's go on a date. And I knew guys like that. And that's what this method is. It's saying, hey, let me just be in front of you. Now, again, it's going to repel some people and they're going to back away, but that's totally fine. And so so uh, frequency is huge, but also frequency with your clients. So I don't just email my prospects twice a week. I email my clients twice a week. And so I stay in front of them. And so referrals have shot through the roof in the past uh, in the past three years since we started doing this to where we can grow very predictably with referrals, you know, because not only do we sell them, because think about it, the average person, they like their dog trainer or their dog walker or their pet sitter or whatever, but they see them for a short period and then that part of their life is over. And maybe some people really love you and they're going to always give referrals, but the majority of people like you, enjoyed working with you and your company, but it's not like you're at the top of mind and they're always thinking to refer you. But 
if you stay in front of them forever because you constantly send them emails, you stand much better chance of having them refer you to their friends. And it's easier. You know, they can forward the email to their friend. Hey, this is my, you know, this was our trainer. Uh, you know, here's the latest email he sent me. And, and like I say, your closing rate will go up. Your referrals will go up if you do this. And so simple as that. Once you get some momentum, you've got to get some people on your list. But obviously, like I say, you just got to get started in order to do that. So like I say, this is low tech. You just tell some stupid stories. This is easy. You know, if you can figure out how to work the autoresponder, the MailChimp or the Aweber or the Infusionsoft or the Entreport or whatever, if you can figure out how to use that, this is easy. It's cheap because, you know, I don't know the pricing on MailChimp, but once you start actually paying for it, I think it's like 20 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month. And that's cheap. And, you know, if you're doing it right, it's paying for itself a thousand times over. And anyone can do this. Now, here's the thing. Most people won't. And so I am totally comfortable sharing this because I recognize that my competitors probably will never do this. And so they will not compete with me doing this. But some of you are going to pick up on this and be like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. But uh, you know what? He's built a, a pretty cool dog training business. And so let me give this a shot. And so anyways, now, I know you want to hear that story, and I'm going to tell you that story. Now, let me preface this by saying this story has nothing to do with dog training. This story is mildly funny. This story is shows how stupid I can be, and it has been the result of millions of dollars worth of training. I use this story in my emails. I use this story at the beginning of my book. So if any of you have read my book, you've heard this story. So that's probably like two of you. If uh, I use this story in speeches that I've given. Anyways, I use this story all over the place because it shows it shows my sense of humor. It shows it makes me vulnerable, shows my relatability, but it also teaches an object lesson that, that is meaningful for our clients. So without further ado, let me tell this story. So going back, this is probably 20 some odd years now, I grew up in this town, or I went to high school in this town called Tracy, California. And so just this little town in a farming community in, in California. And during the summer, we would, uh, we, me, my friends and I, we would go out to this bridge at the, I want to say the north end of town. Anyways, at, at a certain end of town, we'd go out to this bridge. And on this bridge, there was some water underneath. There's like a river. We called it the Delta area. And there's a river. And we would jump off the bridge. And the bridge is kind of high. I want to say 20, 25 feet or something like that. And so it's scary. Like the water was deep enough. So you knew it was like safe, but it was still scary. You know, it's scary to jump off something that high. Now, that bridge used to be a drawbridge. And so next to the bridge was like this tower. And the tower was probably another 15 feet higher than the bridge. And it was all boarded up and it was no longer used as a bridge tower or anything like that. In fact, very little traffic passed out that way. You know, if we were out there for a couple hours, we might only see a couple cars. So that bridge was hardly ever used anymore. But this tower, it was all boarded up. There was some barbed wire around it. We'd always like dared each other. Hey, you jump off the tower. No, you jump off the tower and no one would ever do it, right? Well, here comes one fateful summer day. A bunch of us go out there, like six of us go out there, and a friend of mine had a couple jet skis. He was a rich kid, so we loved him, of course. And we we're playing around the jet skis, and a friend of mine, Ryan, and I decide we're going to go up on the tower. Today's going to be the day that somebody jumps off the tower, and it's going to be us. Now, in looking at the tower, you could tell that there was no climbing back down. There was, like, no footholds. There was no anything. There was barbed wire. So you could tell, like, if we got a boost to get up, it's not like you could just hang your, you know, hang and drop back off, you were going to hurt yourself. So you knew that if you got up there, you'd better jump. So it takes 10 minutes to get up there. You got to do all this climbing and stuff. So we get up there and we look down and shoot. That was scary. It was probably 40 feet down to the water. And that's for me, at least pretty darn scary. And for Ryan, it was pretty darn scary. So we're up there a half hour. Can't psych, psych ourselves into jumping. We're up there an hour. 
Still can't jump. An hour and a half, we still haven't jumped. We're up there like, like I say, an hour and a half probably. And our friends are down below because it's dusk now. And they're like, dude, we're leaving. You know, we're leaving in like five minutes. You guys better get down from there. And Ryan are like, cannot psych ourselves up to do it. Because it's not like one of these things that we can say, oh, get to the side. You just push me off. You know, we couldn't even do that because the way it was shaped, the way it was located, you had to like leap off. Otherwise, you were going to hit the ground. So anyways, you had to take a running leap to actually do this. So we're freaking out because we're not supposed to be up there in the first place, you know. And so the option here is our friends leave us, go back to town, call the fire department. And Tracy at the time, and still is, but at the time was like this small little town. We're totally going to end up in the newspaper if that happens. And the newspaper comes to my house. And my parents read it every day. So anyways, we, we do not like that as an option. We do not like the option of jumping either. So we just don't know what to do. And finally, our friends are like, we're up there two hours. And our friends are like, all right, we're, we're out of here. And so between this rock and a hard place, this little light bulb goes off in my head. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, all right, here's what I do. So I take off my pants and I throw it in the water. So there I am without clothes, standing on top of this tower. And I can see my pants traveling down the river slowly. It's a slow river and sinking slowly. This is happening in the space of like two or three seconds. And I recognize that if I do not jump off there right now, not only will the fire department come, but they are going to come and find me without clothes at the top of a tower. And that's worse than anything. So with that in mind, I run, I jump, I grab my pants, I grab my shorts, and I'm fine. I did it. I jumped in. Like three seconds later, plop, there goes Ryan's shorts and he comes jumping in too. So anyways, I warned you guys, this is a dumb story. But why is it powerful? Because like I say, it's funny. You know, when I write it, when I tell it, like, it's kind of funny. You know, it's fun. The idea of someone standing up there with no pants is, is humorous and things like that, right? But it, so it's funny for starters, but I can easily relate that to anything. So when I'm talking, you know, when I, well, this isn't an email going out to dog owners. I'm like, look, you've been here before you've been where you don't know what to do with your dog. You've got this bad behavior. You know that you could spend a bunch of money on training, but you don't like that idea. You've tried videos and books and that hasn't worked and you don't want to give away your dog. And so you've got all these like conflicting things vying for your attention. And you know, you've got to do one, but you just can't bring yourself to do any of them. Do it, dude. Just take off your pants, jump in the river and hire us. You know, And that's, that's the pitch. You know, it's as simple as that. And people respond to it. Now, like I say, that's just one story. You know, I've got, now that I've been writing these for a few years now, I've got hundreds of stories out there. And some of them are like these big funny stories like that. And some of them are just like, hey, my kid did this goofy thing and I want to tell you about it. But all of them are stories that are funny or relatable or interesting or poignant or sometimes heartfelt, but they're me. They're my personality that, you know, and, and if you do this, do your personality. And in doing this, this is how we've been able to grow. Folks, there is no reason to overcomplicate this method. I'm 36 minutes in now. There's no reason to overcomplicate this. I could have probably explained this in five minutes, but then I would have missed a lot of the nuance and a lot of the storytelling. But do not overcomplicate this. Just do it. You have almost nothing to lose. And if you sign up for the free plan, you have nothing to lose other than some time and trying to figure out how to do it. But uh, get out there, do it. Also, while you're doing it, make sure you listen to all of our other episodes here on PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Six Figure Dog Business to listen to all of our episodes and while you're there listen to all of the other good shows they have some amazing shows on petliferadio.com and then once you're done with all that head over to my website tiethedogguy.com to see how i help out dog business owners just like yourself so thanks for listening take off your pants jump Ooh, that's not a good way to, to close go do something very cool today and grow your business start telling stories and use them to make money thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon let's talk pets every week on demand 
only on PetLifeRadio.com.